Hey, hey, welcome in to This Week in Indiana Football, a Friday edition. First ever Friday edition of This Week in Indiana Football. We are so glad that we are still able to bring this to you, even though it's a lot later than usual. Joining me, as always, Dustin Schutte of Saturday Tradition. Also glad he could be here as well. We've had so many scheduling things going on that it's just been very difficult to to find a way to record this for this week, but we are both very happy that we were able to find this hour right now to be able to go ahead and get this taken care of. And man, Dustin, how you doing? I'm doing great. We had the college football playoff rankings. We had uh, the Braves win the World Series. Um, college basketball exhibition games are underway. So it was tough mm-hmm. for us to get this nailed down, but we're able to do it. We We persevered and we found a way. Yeah, and your Atlanta Braves winning the World Series, you've had quite the week, my friend. I did. It was it was exciting. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be a lifetime long, lifelong lifetime fan, um, but it was exciting. I, I like to support the teams that I'm closest to, uh, especially growing up in Indiana, not really having a baseball team. You always watched the Braves because they were always on TBS or TNT or whatever the channel was, TNN back in the day because of Turner. And uh, now I get to watch them, you know, throughout the summer. And it was fun. It was fun to watch that team, especially considering how how much they struggled in the early portion of the season. And another thing, too, that you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned because I'd actually forgotten about this, the college football playoff rankings. And it didn't take long. It only took the very first one to get people talking, get people angry. And there's a lot of, I guess I would say, media members with clout that are really speaking out about the issues right now with the college football playoff. And I think a prime example that comes off the top of my head is Joel Klatt. Because I think yep. he he explained it and tackled it the best, the way that the college football playoff ranking should be handled. And then that should be the which teams are the most deserving, not necessarily who are the best teams. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you classify. I mean, there's always going to be some subjectivity when you don't have a specific set of criteria in terms of winning your conference championship or, you know, getting a certain number of wins or whatever the case might be. But the thing that's always annoyed me is when they say, well, Alabama may not have the wins, but they're one of the four best. Or Ohio State may not have uh, the wins or, you know, the, the strength of schedule, but, you know, they look like one of the four best teams. Well, when you do that, then let's just look at the recruiting rankings and throw everything out the window because that's essentially what you're saying, that the results don't matter. The one thing I was happy to see, I think Alabama at two is egregious. You could probably make a a case that Ohio State at number five when you look at the strength of schedule and the Mm -hmm. fact that currently they haven't beaten anybody in the top 25. Ohio State might be a little too high. Uh, I mean, even Cincinnati, they got 100. Their their strength of schedule is ranked like 100th, but they at least have that one win over Notre Dame. So – um, to me, it was very frustrating just because it doesn't it doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever in how they rank teams. All we really care about is probably the top 10 right now. So it doesn't matter when you look down the list. But to me, look, the, the thing that's crazy is you look, the SEC had the, the highest ranked zero loss, one loss, two loss and three loss team. I mean, Mississippi State hasn't been in a poll I don't think all year in the APR coaches poll. I could be wrong on that. And that's one that I mentioned to you last week. It's already cut you off, but I made this point last week about the rankings, how I feel like the committee doesn't even pay attention to what's been going on in the AP poll or the po- or the coaches poll all season because you end up seeing outlandish things like that in the first rankings they put out. Right. And what, you know, it's, it's really interesting 
how they justify it. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. Like if you're going to have Mississippi State ranked, then and I don't know. I off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you who they've beaten. I think they got beat by Memphis. Like that's not a good football team. <laughs> uh, but when you like look like legitimately, I'm just going to throw this out as an example. But Mississippi State is five and three. They got boat raced by Alabama, which a lot of teams do. They're sitting at 17, I believe. You could make the argument that per, based on that, Purdue deserves to be ranked. They're five and three. They've got a ranked win. Their yeah. losses are to a ranked Notre Dame, a ranked Minnesota, and a ranked Wisconsin. They beat what is what number twenty one or twenty two Iowa. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what are we judging? Like, what are we judging this on? It's th- th- there's so much inconsistency from the one through ten from then 11 through 25, and then so on and so forth. It just makes absolutely no sense. And that's why I hate hate that they wait so late into the college football season to put these rankings out if they're going to do it their own little committee way. Because for two-thirds of the season, you have no idea what these people have been talking about or or if they've even been having conversations. If you're going to have the college football playoff rankings – be the end-all, be-all for who wins the national championship, who's in these New Year's Six games, then why not have your own poll from the get-go? And that's the only one you pay attention to. See, I would almost go the other way on that. I think it's – I think in an ideal world, I would have the first playoff rankings released the week before rivalry week. The second comes out the week before the conference championship week. And then the final one comes out, uh, obviously, well, the final one would come out then days later, like the Sunday or whatever, um, after the conference championship games. Because in my opinion, at that point, we have the full body of work. Like, as frustrating as it was, and I hate that I get this worked up about it, because we still have a month left of the season. We still have, some teams are going to play between three and five games. Mm -hmm. What we see now in all the scenarios we're painting out, all 14,000 of them, None of them are going to play out the way we're talking about. So it's probably, at the end of the day, it's going to work itself out. There might be one team that, that you could make an argument for, like you know UCF back in 2017, Ohio State in 2018. There's usually that one team, but it's why I get so frustrated with myself because these, these rankings don't matter. So it's just... All it is is a money grab. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's what it is. It's a money grab to get attention on the call. Everybody's mm-hmm. watching. Um, I, You'll see you know, these when we me, do. That's the best part. Whenever they come exactly. in, act as if they haven't. I mean, maybe they haven't seen them, but I mean, it's it's such a show. It's like it's like reality <laughs> television. Right. It is. It's, and it, it works. <laughs> I mean, it works on me. Every time it works on me. I think there was... Maybe la- maybe it was last year where I didn't have much of an issue with most of the rankings except for more teams like Iowa and Indiana ranked. But at the same time, I mean, it uh, it works. They know what sells, uh, and they continue to do it. So The only I time that I feel like I was on board with a lot of what they were doing was when the year LSU won. I guess that would have been two years ago. I guess you can kind of say the same thing right now. Georgia's kind of that dominant team, but LSU was clearly the top team in college football that year, and it wasn't even close. So I don't know. I hope something changes over the years. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. It may be even more ridiculous when they have this eighteen playoff or whenever or twelve, whatever it ends up being in a couple of years. But we'll go ahead and put that to bed right now. Uh, well, I'm sure every week from here on out, we'll have plenty to say about what's wrong with the college football playoff rankings. We will. But, we will. 
Yeah. Let's go. I want to move on before we get into talking some Indiana football. Let's take a look at Dustin's. We haven't done this before. He's been putting these out weekly on Saturday tradition for the past month, I, I believe. It's his uh, new... And I don't want to. Is, is it a? It's not a column. That seems like a degrade. Yeah. Is it a column? Okay. No, it's a column. His new column yeah. called "Shooting from the Hip," and we were talking about this before we got started. I love the image you see when you're on his site. He's got. Uh, he, he's facing sideways. It's kind of like the Drake album. Nothing was the same. Uh, but he's he's got a a, a power. There you go. His power drill right there power that you drill. see. A power drill at his hip in in place of a gun, obviously, and so. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty hilarious image in my opinion, but got a couple, I don't think these are necessarily hot takes what, what, before we get into this. What, what is the, uh, what, what is the primary, I guess, goal of these, uh, of these articles? So, you know, I was just kind of having some fun with it and, you know, just trying to work some things out this year, uh, and, and see what might work best. And so what I try to do is, you know, our site does a really good job of covering all 14 teams. So one of the things I do is, is for my big feature section for that top section, what I try to do is think about things that happen through the week or the biggest storylines heading into the big 10 that maybe we haven't touched on, right? Like last week, it was about the three team race in the big 10 West between Iowa, um, Wisconsin and, and Minnesota. And, uh, the, the biggest story was easily Ohio State, Penn State, or Michigan, Michigan State, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, we hammered those topics. So I wanted to, you know, I want to get a fresh take. I want to hit some of those other fan bases, some of those other teams. Um, and, you know, ironically, I wrote about Minnesota for a second straight week. But um, <laughs> so that's my, my first section is, is usually the thing I'm uh, I'm to me, the, the biggest storyline that maybe we haven't paid much attention to in the Big Ten over the course of the last week. That second section is usually a rant section. It wasn't so much this week because there wasn't a lot to rant about. I'd already ranted about the college football playoff rankings in my five takeaways, um, and there wasn't a coach to rip or anything like that. Third is is what I call third is what I like to call coach speak, um, and I usually take a, the, the most notable or one of the most notable uh, quotes from one of the coaches across the Big Ten. It's ranged from everything from uh, Tom Allen, uh, you know, kind of ripping on the officials to Brett Bielema throwing his players under, or what we thought was throwing his players on the bus. I went out and beat Penn State, so I was dead mm-hmm. wrong on that. Um, you know, Mike Loxley talking about we want full membership in the Big Ten so we don't have to play Friday night games. And then the last two, I do a, a quick little blurb on each game in the Big Ten called the Quick Draws. Quick draws. Yeah, I see them. And then the safety, you know, like the, the safety lock on a gun, and okay. um, and <laughs> and that's usually a uh, an over under or a line I really like. And this week, it's um, I like Illinois to cover the fourteen and a half point spread against Minnesota, not to win the game, but just to. I think Minnesota wins, but by less than fourteen and a half, or basically. You know, Illinois is one of those kind of like Purdue. You really don't know what you're going to get out of them. Sometimes yeah, they might beat a top true. ten or top five team. Other times they'll they'll lay an egg to somebody they should be taking care of business with. But going to your coach speak one, uh, obviously we got Scott Frost here. I believe this is the quote you have here. I owe it to the kids to give them everything, give them my everything. So do the coaches, and we are, and the kids are giving us everything they got right back because of our relationship. I guess he's he's trying to speak to the culture at a time where it's starting to seem like, I mean, all the cards are on the deck right now with Ohio State coming into town this week. It's bowl eligibility or bust, and you have to keep that dream alive with likely the best, one of the best teams in the Big Ten. 
Yeah, and I know it's going to be tough. I mean, even if they were to pull out a miracle win this weekend, you then you have to beat, try to figure out a way to beat Wisconsin, who's playing really well. And then, you know, the Iowa game's a rivalry game that you haven't won. And gosh, was it six straight losses or something? Can't remember exact, the exact number. I think it's six. I was really, when you watch that press conference, there's been a lot of rumors about Scott Frost's job. And, and I, I don't think they're... Um, out of the blue, right? Like mm-hmm. we've said, and I said coming into the season, if, if Nebraska isn't bowl eligible, he's not going to be around. I don't know if I'm still quite as, I don't know if I, I still believe that quite as much. I think that three and nine, it's very much on the table. But when you also look at that schedule, and, and this is a much better team, even though they're not getting the wins, it's going to be interesting to me to see what Trevor Alberts does. But in that presser, I thought Scott Frost seemed very comfortable. Maybe he knows the decision. I don't. Yeah. Maybe he knows whether he's, you know, hey, these are your final three games or this is what the situation is or, hey, you know what, just go out and play hard and, and show the kids everything um, because you're going to be here next year. Let's get it turned around then. I, I don't know what the case might be, but he just seemed very comfortable, more comfortable than than most times watching his press conferences, at least in my opinion. I watch these things through video. I'm not there. I don't get the vibe or the energy. But I thought that was a great thing for him to say with his players, knowing that there's all kinds of rumors. He has to try to block it out. He tries to ignore it. That's what he asks the kids to do. <laughs> that's what he asks. Do you hear the dog? dog. It's well, dog so that's not, for those listening, that's not my dog. Our in-law or my in-laws recently, they're, they're staying with us temporarily, and their dog uh, it resides here in the office where I do – sit here and produce Jim's show in the morning and then where we do the podcast and she is not happy to be in her crate right now but unfortunately there's not any other options right now I'm the only person here at the house so if you could if you can hear that clearly coming through on the podcast I apologize uh, hopefully who, who knows this this will likely be the only time that that happens but because we you also are recording know. this during the day normally we're doing this at night <laughs> that's true people are home yeah, we're able to put the dogs outside we have heard lily barking outside before it at, at who knows what but um man we, oh, we were talking about scott frost and i was gonna make a comparison yeah, yeah. real quick it reminds me a lot his situation it reminds me of a lot a, a lot of when kevin wilson was struggling to get to that bowl game with indiana the teams were good enough but they were kind of shooting themselves in the foot, a lot like Nebraska's been doing all season. They're out gaining teams in some of these results. They're just not getting the wins, which is what ultimately matters. So there's there's that silver lining, I guess, where you could say that Scott Frost is this close, and so maybe you don't want to get rid of him that, click, that quick because maybe you're on the verge of making a, a bigger jump. And so that's kind of why you – do you really want to start over at the end of the season or do you want to wait it out one more year? Exactly. And I think that the other factor in this is the fact that you've got a coaching turnover at, at LSU. You've got a, you might have a coaching turnover at Florida. There seems to be a lot of pressure on Dan Mullen right now. We'll see how that plays out. You've got, I think, a total of eight. The coaching carousel is only going to heat up. So are you going to get the best candidate? Are you going to be able to lure your guy? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of factors in this. And to me, again, you we've seen it. I, I think it's almost damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? And in in this case, I don't know that there's going to be much harm in, in keeping Scott Frost around another year because there have been positive signs that defense has played extraordinarily well. You eliminate some of these turnovers. I mean, it's it has legitimately been one play in this game, one play in that game. Like, they continue 
to snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. So that's, that's been a great line. phrase. I don't know if that's a, become right. a cliche yet, but it's definitely become a very popular line to say this. this well, I got, I'll give credit to Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt on the Eyes on Big podcast because they use it all the time, and it's one of my favorite things to say now. But <laughs> I, it's true. And I think you bring up a great point. Do you want to start over? And there's look, there's no guarantee. People thought Mike – well, not a lot of people, but some people thought Mike Riley was going to be the right th- the right fit. No. People thought Scott Frost would have this team competing for a college football playoff in three years. I wasn't one of those, by the way. I thought it would take more time to get to that level. thought he'd be bowl eligible eligible competing in the Big Ten West. So far, that hasn't happened. What happens if you fire him, you go a different route, and you get the same results? Like, plus, I I would give it – You'll I would have, give it one more year. Before, we put the, before I shut the door on Nebraska, because this is not a Nebraska podcast, but there's just a lot always to talk about with them, especially this season. This <laughs> um, is just the say, most interesting program in the Big Ten. They right are. Now. And it's kind of like Indiana basketball. There's just so much drama because there's not yep. – they haven't found the success that they've been longing to have from the days of old. And so there's, a, there's, there's been a lot of comparisons. Even at the beginning of the – when Mike Woodson was hired, you had a lot of pundits saying – what an idiotic hire that that was. And now, based on recruiting and offseason stuff, you have people kind of changing their minds. And obviously, we'll find out as basketball season gets underway next week. But the programs are very similar in terms of where they are, uh, I guess, culturally or, or in relevance, whatever you may call it. But it will be interesting to see if... Because you get Adrian Martinez one more season, don't you? Well, he can return, he, whether or not okay. he will or he he yeah because he's a he's a senior but because of that extra year of eligibility he can come back for 2022 and so that's kind of what I'm getting at Scott Frost leaves I'm gonna, I would assume Adrian Martinez and he may do this whether Scott Frost is here or not Adrian Martinez might either make the jump to the NFL or you know see if he can get to the NFL or transfer somewhere else uh, and in that case you're starting over with a new quarterback. Do you want to do that with Scott Frost, or do you want to do that with somebody else? So you've got a lot of questions there with with Nebraska's future. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think you're going from basically a rebuilding process to a rebuilding process. And, I, again, there's no, there's no indication for certain that it's going to work. So you're going to throw a lot of money at the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, again, to me, I'd give him. I would give this one more shot, and if it, if the product looks the same in year five, then you're gonna have to. I mean, they might do it this year. I legitimately don't know, but I I would give him one more year because they have been so close. And by the way, before we'll close the book on this, it's not the fact that a lot of people point like they're so close to to beating teams like Michigan State, Michigan. Oklahoma, they were close. That's what I'm saying. Indiana was doing those same things, though, with Kevin Wilson. That's not the problem. The problem is you lose to Purdue, you mm-hmm. lose to Illinois. If you win those two games, do the math in my head, they're five and four, and you need to win one of those games. You need to beat Ohio State, Wisconsin, or Iowa, and you're bowl eligible. I mean, still tough, but. They are still tough. There's no doubt, but yeah. you, it's a lot easier to win one than it is all three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. As we've seen plenty of times, Indiana puts themselves in that position where they have to get that sixth bowl or sixth game to get bowl eligible against Purdue. And Purdue does the same thing. I don't know that's going to happen this year because they're on the upside of things. Uh, And same with Indiana. Indiana kind of, obviously, they've got a big one coming up 
with Michigan. And it's kind of the same boat as Nebraska. I'm so, I'm so sick of these Indiana-Nebraska comparisons. But to get to bowl eligibility, the toughest game on their schedule likely is this weekend for both of those teams. So going into uh, your next thing on shooting from the hip before we get fully into Indiana mode. You talk. You got PJ Fleck, man, Riley. It's okay. For the, <laughs> she she is not happy. She right needs a now. Kong. She needs you know, like a peanut so we, butter. Kong we or have something. a Kong for Lily. That she, man, she's she knows that we're talking or that I'm talking about her now. She can't hear you, obviously, but you can hear her banging around on the uh, on her crate right there. Uh, we may we if it gets bad enough, we may take a detour and, and I may have to take her outside or something, but um. We'll see what we can do here, but anyway, PJ Fleck. Uh, that's that was your other uh, point in shooting from the hip before we get into Indiana. Um, PJ Fleck, you're saying he would be coach of the year in the Big Ten if it, if it weren't for Mel Tucker stealing the spotlight. Right now, yeah. I mean, there's no question Mel Tucker's done the best job. I mean, the, Michigan State's eight zero. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate. They just beat Michigan in incredible fashion. There's no doubt in my mind he's the Big Ten coach of the year, especially when you consider what they looked like last year, two and five. Um, very inconsistent. They were shut out of at least one game, maybe two. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but you look at what P.J. Fleck has done, and in my, the Bowling Green game looks ugly, but at the same time, they're six and two. They're in the mi- the middle of the Big Ten West race, they lost their top running back, reigning Big Ten running back of the year, Mo Ibrahim, in week one. In after the win against Purdue, they lose Trey Potts, their second string running back. They just lost their third string running back, Bryce Williams. We'll see what the what the rushing attack looks like this week. They have had to play games without Chris Ottman Bell, without Dalen Wright, without Daniel Jackson. They had Cam Wiley, another running back, hit the transfer portal. They had Curtis Dunlap Jr., who has played a number of snaps. A number, I think every game, had played every game this season. I don't know. I think I don't remember the number of games he played it for Minnesota, but was a fixture on the offensive line. He hit the transfer portal. I think there was another guy, but I can't remember. There, like The job he has done with his roster management, I guess you could call it, to get this team in a position to win football games, their schedule has not been difficult. And legitimately, if this team doesn't lose to Bowling Green, I think that P.J. Fleck and Mel Tucker are – we're talking about them in the same sentence. Now, we're only eight games in. The toughest stretch is still ahead for Minnesota. They still have to play Wisconsin. They still have to play Iowa. They have to play Indiana. This week they have Illinois. So they do have a pretty tough final month. I maybe I won't maybe I'll change my mind on that, but I think through the first eight games, even though they have that loss, that ugly Mac loss, the job PJ Fleck has done has been outstanding. Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, he's he's definitely one of the more eccentric coaches in the Big Ten. He takes a lot of a lot of flack, flack PJ Fleck, uh, mm-hmm. for uh, for being the way that he is, and I guess Tom Allen to an extent does as well. But PJ Fleck has more of the the meat to back it up, and so. I definitely agree with you there. We're going to take, I'm, this might end up being a little funny. We're going to take a pseudo commercial break. Let me see how this comes through real quick. Do you hear this, Dustin? I, I can do it. Elevator, music. elevator music. Hold on, I'm trying to make the to make sure. Yeah. All right, I'll be right back. We're going to take the dogs outside and we're going we're we're to do this as quick as we can.
All right, welcome back in. That was fast. Do what? That was fast. Yeah, I was in full sprint mode right there. Whew, I might catch my like breath a, right I there. I wish we could have like a, a dash cam or a GoPro on you to yeah. see clock your speed. <laughs> yeah, it was a very interesting maneuver, getting Riley out of the cage, getting Lily out of her pen, and just getting them both outside as quickly as humanly possible. But, yeah. That should take care of the uh, whining and moaning, whatever that would have been. But we're back now. About to get into some Indiana football. A very interesting bright spot right now for this struggling Indiana football team. It comes from the offensive side of things. And I think we covered this a little bit on Indiana Sports Beat, or you did whenever you came on yesterday with Jim. Normally, we have already done our show by the time you come on with Jim, but this is kind of different this week. Donovan McCulley. The true freshman quarterback, four-star out of Indianapolis, made his presence known in a huge way against Maryland, put up 35 points in his first official start. The problem is the defense didn't hold up there in the bargain, and Maryland ended up winning the game. But Donovan McCulley could be the quarterback of the future for Indiana. I think he is. And I don't and I've mentioned this in the article. I mentioned this on Indiana Sports Beat on Thursday. I think that you have to stick with Donovan McCulley at this point. The offense just looked better. And again, I know that this is against a bad, well, I don't want to call it bad because it's, it's been better than it has in the past, but it's still not good. So we'll call it a a suspect. How about that? Yeah. And he, (laughs) he had to rely, at least noticed it early on. He relied a lot on Peyton Hendershot. And I think it's no question that he's been the most reliable receiver for Indiana. He's a big body. He's, he's coming off of, I guess, kind of a disappointing season last year, but the year before he set some records in Indiana, and now he's setting career records for catches for a tight end. And so he's definitely the guy, especially with a, t- with a struggling Ty Freifogel, Miles Marshall, he's, a, he's probably the most reliable target for Indiana, and that's going to have to change if Indiana wants to have any semblance of a chance against Michigan. Well, I don't know. Um, you have to be able to hit your shots down the field, but if you can pick up four to five yards per play, I mean that's that's kind of your bread and butter right there. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to take a ton of deep shots on Michigan, I don't think. Like you're not gonna have a ton of explosive plays against that Michigan defense. Now we did see that Michigan State had some, but I there's no question that Michigan State's got I'll way more too. I just realized I forgot to turn off my little head issue thing. Uh, Kenneth Walker was able to do a whole lot more against Michigan than he was against Indiana, and that kind of surprised me. Yeah, I, I thought so too. That was that was interesting to me. I didn't think that he would be able to run on that defense, but he like he willed them to a victory. And it was some of the things they were doing from an offensive scheme standpoint. It was his toughness. It was his speed. Uh, it, it was impressive to see. It kind of makes you wonder was. You know, was this just a, a determined Kenneth Walker? Did Mel Tucker save something for that game a little bit? It was it was great to see that, but I, there's nobody in Indiana's roster that's I don't think can do that to Michigan's yeah. defense. Well, getting back to Indiana, Stephen Carr finally had kind of a breakout run himself against Maryland. It wasn't the most the most amazing game of his his life, more than likely. But at the same time, if Indiana can finally have a semblance of a run game, granted it was against Maryland and. This is the, it's the first time that Indiana really played somebody with a fairly, I don't want to say weak defense, but nowhere near the caliber of defenses that they have played all season. So it's hard to really tell how good Indiana is 
they're actually let me put it this way they're not good the team is having issues they had expectations <laughs> right. it's it's hard it's hard to tell what their full potential is because there's just been no semblance of consistency we thought we had seen the consistency on the defensive side of the ball and now for two games in a row one against Ohio State which was thought to be an anomaly but then you do it against a Maryland team who who yes they have some weapons like Talia Tagovailoa but I'm pretty sure the guy who he was throwing to Carrier he he had I think he had had one catch all season and he caught like eight catches for however many yards it may have been. You can't let things like that happen. So the identity of this Indiana team we've talked about it all season long. It doesn't exist, and I think we've gotten to the point to where we're, they're not going to have an identity unless someone like Donovan McCulley is able to change the game and you start to see some consistency on the offense for these last four games. Yeah, I don't. That, that's a good question. I don't know if you're going to see an identity. Uh, to me, at this point, it's just, look, Tom Allen's not throwing in the towel. He's, he still believes this team can get to a bowl game. They're not going to a bowl game. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just going to put that out there. The The point, though, is to me it's about reps at this point. Get Donovan yeah. McCauley some reps. He, going into the big house is going to be really good for him, in the maybe not on Saturday, but in the future – I think it was really good that he got the start against Maryland, too, because you kind of ease into it, right? Mm-hmm. You ease into it. Maryland's far from a hostile environment. It wasn't a sold-out crowd. At least I don't think so. Maybe it was. Um, but it's not nearly oh, it as hostile absolutely as we not, just to throw that out there. It okay. was, and I, it was homecoming. Not... It was homecoming, and it was an awful crowd. And they're, this is a Maryland team with a winning record. The five and three, they're one win from bull eligibility. It made me, it made me feel bad for all the bad things I had said about Indiana's fan base. I mean, this Maryland, they couldn't care less about their football right now, from what I can see. Yeah, well, they just they had come off three straight losses to Ohio State or Iowa, Ohio State, and Minnesota, and all of them looked pretty ugly. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do this week against Penn State, but. To the point, I, I just think that getting him that start, getting him into a comfort level is a good thing. We'll see what that looks like against a much better Michigan defense. But again, at this point, Michael Penix was a statue. Jack Tuttle was a statue at quarterback. Donovan mm-hmm. McCoy gives you some mobility. He gives you at least the threat to run the football and maybe not pick up 20 yards, but pick up five. And that's that makes a world of difference. And I think that you saw... When you have that threat, when you're able to complete passes at a somewhat consistent rate and you're not turning the football over, which was key, no turnovers for him in that game, mm-hmm. keeps defenses honest, and then that opened up the run game a little bit. Not great, but a lot, lot better than what we've seen in the previous seven How games. How many games it's been, but yeah. I, I hate to be to be doing this. and I, I used to have to do this back during the Kevin Wilson days, the early days of Tom Allen. But when you get to that point where you kind of know bowl eligibility is out of reach, you start to look ahead to next season. And back to what you were saying about Donovan McCulley, these reps being important. If he's going to be the starter from here on out and likely in the future, you get him ready for this next season because Indiana's schedule next year is a lot more bottom-heavy than it is top-heavy like it was this past season. Your first six games, you got Northwestern at home. Even though it's a Big Ten game, I don't think you could have really a better scenario when you're starting a conference game. Not that Northwestern's going to be a bad team next year. They're always kind of a coin flip. You don't know how good or bad they're going to be. It's it's definitely a lot better than starting out with an Ohio State and Iowa, Wisconsin, whoever it might be. Right. Then you got your Idaho pushover. You have a home matchup with WKU. 
uh, who won't have Bailey Zappi next year, I'm pretty sure, who is the guy who has basically been one of the best group of five quarterbacks this season. Then travel to Cincinnati. It's interesting because it's a road game, but it's going to be a way different looking Cincinnati team than you have right now. Desmond Ritter's going to be gone. All these guys who came back for that extra year thanks to COVID, they're all going to be gone. So, and, and it may not even be coached by Luke Fickle. We don't know what's going to happen with him in the offseason. So if you've got those four wins right there, I hate, I really hate that I'm doing this, but I am doing it. Then you got at Nebraska. We don't know what that's going to look like, but I, I've always loved the Indiana-Nebraska matchups. And then home against Maryland and your seventh game at Rutgers. And I, I hate to call it a cakewalk schedule because it is not a cakewalk because you do have some games that are kind of toss-ups when you sit there and really think about it. But you don't have a single ranked, likely, a single ranked team in your first seven games. But you follow that, <laughs> listen to this, with quite a gauntlet to end the season. Sure. At Ohio State versus Penn State versus Michigan at Michigan State. And then obviously the, the season ender with Purdue in the bucket game. But a very, I mean, it's literally like they put all the of the teams that have been getting Indiana trouble this season, they put them at the exact opposite end of the schedule next year. But back to my point with this. You give Donovan McCulley that many games to figure out who he who he is and the competition kind of slowly starts to build. That's what a successful Indiana team needs. The, Indiana is not built like Ohio State or Michigan where they need to have all of these marquee matchups to get them going out of the season because we've obviously seen what, what that looks like this year. I think Indiana, if they give Donovan McCulley the right start and he doesn't get injured, dear Lord, he can't get injured during these last few games. We can't have another Michael right. Penix situation. Getting through the end of this season with quality reps, and you're looking to build on what could be a decent season next year. Yeah, I mean, I would – getting through it healthy and then the ability to run the offense in actual live games against in, – in meaningful games. I mean, these ga- – even though we say Indiana is not going to be bowl eligible – uh, you know, you could, you could, and that's because I don't see them winning four games in a row. I don't, I mean, they might, they could probably beat just about anybody on that schedule, but these are meaningful games. You could upset Michigan and, and knock them out of the college football playoff in the big 10 East race. You have uh, Minnesota on the schedule. Um, that's the team that's in the big 10 West race. You could throw them off mm-hmm. Purdue looking at bull eligibility. Obviously that's always a big game. And then against what Rutgers, that's the other team. Yep. That's a game. I mean, Rutgers is fighting for bowl eligibility. So Indiana could, they can kind of turn the table and play spoiler. And yeah. I know that that wasn't the goal coming into the season, but if you're looking for some sort of motivation, you can, you can have these miniature, I hate to use this phrase because every coach uses it, but every, you could have a one game season where you play yeah. spoiler to a couple different teams. Um, and for, so for Donovan McCauley to play these kind of meaningful snaps, meaningful reps, then you springboard into spring ball. Yeah. Then you springboard into fall, summer and fall camp, and then all of a sudden you you have not the most experienced guy, but you have a somewhat seasoned quarterback running your offense, and obviously a lot of it's going to depend on the offensive line and what that looks like and the running back situation and who you got at wide receiver. But, I mean, the offense just typically looks a lot better when you have a pretty good quarterback, and I think that that's what we saw last week in, in College Park, even against a suspect Maryland defense. Yeah, it's going to be very telling these last four games, even if you don't win them all, which you're probably not going to. You may get a couple of them. 
it's going to be very telling because if if they're able to look improved, even if they don't come out with some of these victories, you have you go into the offseason into spring with a lot to build on. Especially because as we've hit the nail on so many times already, you have a brand new quarterback who could give you two or three years. I mean, maybe four, uh, depending on uh, how things end up going for him. But if you're able to start him that early and that young and build him into a system, I mean, he'll end up being like, and not that Adrian Martinez is a fantastic quarterback, but he'll be a quarterback down the road that other Big Ten teams will be saying, when is he going to be gone? Yeah, right. I agree. That's that's what you want to build off of that. So that's what you got going on with Indiana, Michigan. Uh, I guess we didn't talk too much about Michigan so far, but... Uh, that's that's what Indiana has at stake right now. Yeah, and and I think the interesting thing to me about Michigan is we talked about Kenneth Walker and how Indiana was able to kind of bottle him up. What was it like eighty four yards on twenty one carries or something like that? It was it was you know pretty phenomenal considering the circumstances. Um, Indiana hadn't played well. I mean, the defense had played well for most of the season, but this is kind of a different animal. And, and what I'm really interested to see is. How can Indiana contain an offense that has a two-back system, Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins? They can kind of keep the legs fresh. Mm-hmm. They can ride the hot hand. And then we just saw last week that Cade McNamara is able to throw the ball. He almost threw for 400 yards, two touchdowns and, a, and one interception, I think. No, granted, um, Michigan State does, and we've talked about this before, a they, pretty suspect passing defense. They do, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not, trying to get to, I'll say, I'm not trying to get to the point that Indiana did anything to Michigan State's passing defense. Oh. That was when they were having their issues, but because uh, obviously that was a totally different situation. I, well, I, I was going to say Maryland threw the ball all over Indiana, and you know, well, that's we true. saw that. One. That's, that's, that <laughs> that's why I don't know that I have an answer for what Indiana is because you think that they're a defensive team, and, and maybe they just. Maybe they just let off the gas the past couple of weeks. They probably knew what they had coming for them with Ohio State, especially after things got away early on. Um, you probably, I'm not saying they weren't prepared for Maryland last week, but I'm not sure that they knew that Donovan McCulley was going to be able to keep them in the game from the get-go. I really don't want to feel like I'm giving excuses for this defensive team, but I guess it's probably the way that it's coming across. But they're also coming into this game now knowing that, hey, Donovan McCulley is going to give us a chance to win. Let's fight for this guy. And so I think yeah. you could see – we'll, we'll get into pickums later. I'm not picking Indiana. I don't want to make it – I'm going to go ahead and say that now. I'm not going to be a homer and pick them because I am I I do see myself as a realist. But one thing that I will say – gosh, I'm just giving – I can't not get into what I'm going to say and just say I'll talk about it later after what I've been building up to. But I think Indiana is going to keep this a lot closer than Vegas thinks. That doesn't mean they're going to win, obviously. But I think Donovan McCulley is going to keep taking those steps. I think the defense is going to want to fight for him. And I think that's where you start to see this turnaround. And it's not a season turnaround. The season's out the window. You're preparing for the future at this point. Well, what's going to be interesting to me about this particular matchup is the, the one thing that Michigan has struggled with at times this season is playing a full game. Against Rutgers, they were up, I think, 20-3. to I'm going to not remember these scores off the top of my head. But basically, they had a chance to slam the door on Rutgers, run away with it. They allowed Rutgers to come back, and it was a one-possession game. Rutgers had the ball and a chance to send it to overtime, basically, on the final drive. They almost lost to Nebraska after having a 13-point lead. They blew that in the second half. They had a 10-point lead against Michigan State, a 16-point lead against Michigan State, blew both of those. 
and they came back and bit them. And I think, I, if I remember correctly, there was another. They played poorly in the first half against Northwestern, played poorly in the first half against Washington. So this is a team that has struggled to play a complete 60-minute game. And even when it looks like the game is over, at times they have allowed teams to hang around. So can Indiana take advantage of That's going to be the interesting thing to me. I don't think that they're going to win, but I do think there is some credence to what you're saying in the fact that I think Indiana is going to hang around. Maybe I think it's it's going to be like one of those games where Indiana's like down by two touchdowns or 10 points, Yeah, but you never really get the sense that they're going to win, if that yeah. makes sense. It's Indiana, and that's the thing. They're going to be playing with their backs against the wall. So if they're given a chance late, they're not just going to – falter or, or let Michigan have it because I mean if, if they're really adept about making it to a bowl game I mean this is it you've got to win every game from here on out and so with your backs against the wall you're going to get Indiana's 100% you almost wish if you're Michigan that you were playing them after they were they were out of the bowl conversation because that's kind of your last bit of fight if you're if you're that concerned about the postseason which I mean Indiana's trying to get to three straight and actually win a freaking bowl game Obviously, like I said, we can talk about that more if this if Indiana gets the result they want this weekend because things start to look a little more up if that's the case. But that's what I have to say on the matter there. <laughs> that's pretty good. I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and move on. We'll get our uh, we'll go and look at some of the rest of the games here. This isn't going to be an ultra long podcast like some of the more recent ones have been. Uh, we'll go ahead and get into what we got: one, two, three, four, five, seven. Seven Big Ten games this week. So, yeah, it's another full slate, second straight yep. slate of uh, all Big Ten games. That's probably how it's going to be here on out unless you got teams to bye week still, which I'm not sure how uh, many I think, teams. Go ahead. I think, it's ne- I think it's next week or the it's either next week or the week after. I think both Nebraska and Illinois will have a bye because they have the they have an extra week off because of that week zero game. But okay. I, I think that, that makes sense. So you got man, and just the records too. I mean, it's it's an uphill climb for me. You went seven and I guess yeah, seven and zero last week, undefeated. I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I went five and two. Obviously, we had two differences. You got both of them. You chose, um, man, you you chose Michigan State. Believe I can't. I don't know if you remember, Deb. You chose Michigan State over Michigan, and then you chose Wisconsin over Iowa. Which that's the one in retrospect. I. I think when you picked it, I knew I wanted the switch, but it was too late. But you were, you were, and I think Jeffrey of the Greek probably as well hit the nail on the head with Iowa's offense is just, it's it's awful, it's bad, and the defense made them look so good early on, and so that's it, everything well, it's, comes it's, to fruition for them right now. It's basically what Indiana was in 2019, and that is the reason why I was. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yes, 2020 is Indiana was able to create so many turnovers and get great field position that it made their offense look good. That's I think that's why there was so much hype about this offense coming back. And when you looked at it, yeah, but you also you got to look at and not, advantageous situations. And that's true. That plays a role. But at the same time, though, Indiana has gotten turnovers this year and they're not capitalizing. Like, I think the best example of last year, uh, the Ohio State game. They're down 35-7, to seven and they still come back because they're – I mean, yes, they, they turn Justin Fields over three times, but you still got to get down, get the ball down the field and score. Right. And so, anyway, we're not talking about that right now. We got Week 10 pickums. We are going to start with Ohio State, though. Number five, Ohio State at Nebraska. And as we've, we've kind of harped a lot on Nebraska so far on this episode, but I mean, this is do or die for them. 
Uh, I'm not sure that really makes a difference. It sucks that this is your do-or-die game that you've got to cross over with Ohio State. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think that Ohio State has flaws, and Penn State kind of let that be known last week. I don't think – I mean, we talk, we talk about this every time we talk about Nebraska. They don't close out big games. And I, and I don't even know that they're going to be in this late. But even if they were, I don't think Nebraska would be able to pull it out. I'm taking Ohio State. Yeah, I'll take Ohio State. The interesting thing to me is, I mean, they've lost every game by one possession. I saw – go ahead. I don't, I'll let you finish before I say what I saw. I don't think it's going to be – I say it's not going to be a blowout. It's going to end up being like 55-3. to three, But I, I legitimately <laughs> don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think, I think Nebraska ha- – I think it could look a lot like that Michigan-Indiana game we just talked about where Nebraska hangs around. You never get the sense that they're going to win the game, but I think that you walk away and you feel, even though you're 3-7 and seven and, and eliminated from bowl eligibility, I think you at least feel a little bit better about the situation because you played a top-five team so well. Again. This has been my favorite probably tweet so far from one of your many, and I mean many, Nebraska followers. <laughs> We've got Meg on Twitter. This is almost 24 hours ago. I feel like every stat I read about the Huskers says they outgained their opponent by 5,000 yards and the defense allowed an all-time low negative 12 points and Nebraska lost the game by seven. <laughs> it sums it up poetically. Yeah, it does sum it poetically. Accurately. Yes. Yep. So, that yeah. was perfect. There we go. We both take Ohio State in that one. Illinois at number 20, Minnesota. It's a game where it's interesting because you have Minnesota who's looked pretty good as of late, but you also can't forget about the Bowling Green loss. Illinois is not the same as Bowling Green, but Illinois has also been very opportunistic against big-time opponents. Like when they opened the season against Nebraska, they took down Penn State in a nine-overtime game. I mean, this, this could turn some heads. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong. I'm taking Minnesota, but... I'm not sure. What, what do you think, Dustin? Well, to me, even though Minnesota is going to be on its fourth string running back and they might have to start running their fourth offensive string. linemen or linebackers or defensive backs, I still like this rushing attack. And Illinois' defense against the run, against good running teams, has I think it ranks 12th in the Big Ten. It's 12th or 13th. So I think that's the difference in the game. I think Illinois hangs around. I, I don't think Illinois or I don't think Minnesota covers that 15 point spread. So I take the Gophers, but I think it's it's I think it's a close one. I think you see more trestle ball out of PJ Fleck this week. The Gophers was he? I think I knew this, but I always seem to forget when people mention it. He was under Jim Trestle at Ohio State. He was a grad assistant for I think just one year, one season. Okay, gotcha. Next up, we have number 21 Wisconsin at Rutgers. Why do I feel like this game already happened? I'm, that's that's a game happening this weekend, right? Wisconsin at Rutgers? It is. Okay. Yep. I don't know what's going on in my brain for some reason. I was like, that's not right. This already <laughs> happened. But <laughs> Nonetheless, we have the Badgers, who uh, was one of my favorite tweets every week, talking about his unenthusiastic stuff in the press conference, Paul Christ. I can't remember what it was, but you had me rolling, talking about I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and try to explain it. I don't have it in front of me. But you've always got something interesting to say about it. Well, okay, what was it here? Well, there's two things. One was he always says he's looking forward to a great week of preparation. That's a that's a staple at every Paul Chris press conference. The second thing was he made the the craziest comment. It was like, um, 
see if I can remember this. It was the best part of the team is the individual. They say there's no I in team. I don't really buy into that. This is this is paraphrasing. Yeah. I don't really buy into it. I think the I is the most important part. You get a lot of individuals from a lot of different places. And then he said, but at the same time, you're playing for something greater, and that's the team. And I'm like, what the hell did I just listen what to? What bush did he just walk around to get to that? I don't know. I think Ben Ben Kenny is his name. I think on Twitter he he clipped out the the sound. I, I wrote check, out the I tweet. Check that out. Okay. But I think I think his name is Ben. I I apologize if I'm getting that name wrong, but I believe that that's his name. And he he clipped out the 20 second uh, sound of Paul Chris making that comment. Wow. It was great. Well, not anyway. Not that we've talked about the game with this at all, but I'm taking Wisconsin in this. I think Wisconsin wins. I think Wisconsin gets a shutout. A I don't think out. Rutgers can move. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll call that a shutout. That should be worth like an extra point that I get back if you're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, we won't do that. How many, how many are you down? I'll take I'm, that back. No, we're not doing that. We haven't done that all okay. season. I'm down seven. I've got a lot of ground to make up, and I'm not sure we'll have any uh, differences in this. We could though. We got a couple games left. Penn State at Maryland. Actually, this one could be it. I think Maryland's going to be riding the high from last week. Penn State has so much James Franklin drama going on. Maryland's going to capitalize at home. I don't care if there's three people in the stands or 30,000 people in the stands. Maryland's taking down Penn State this week. That's a good pick. Um, if you're Sean God, Clifford's you're still up. Maryland, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. Uh, if Sean Clifford's at 100%, I still like Penn State. I still – look, this is a game that, to me, it's kind of Michigan, Michigan State-esque in the fact that I think – Maryland wants this game to be a rivalry, but Penn State is like, this is a little brother type game. And after the way the game went last year, I think that Penn State's going to be out to prove a point. So I think think the Nittany Lions take care of business. We'll see. There's a difference. There's an opportunity, probably the only one based on these last – well, I don't know. We'll see. I need to stop acting like I know what's going to happen. You, you, yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, because we got our We're game of the week a- still in, in, th- in a few games. We got number twenty-two at Iowa or number twenty-two Iowa at Northwestern. Uh, I'm trying to wrap this up quickly, man. We got we got schedules to hit, uh, but we got three, three more games. Number twenty-two Iowa at Northwestern. Um, normally, you would think this would be a great defensive battle, and it might be. Uh, but I'm, I'm taking the Iowa Hawkeyes in a safe one. I'm taking Iowa as well. Just run the damn ball because Northwestern can't stop it. There you go. Uh, next up, a game we've talked about already, Indiana at number seven, Michigan. Our game, obviously. This is an Indiana podcast. Um, unfortunately, I'm taking Michigan. This will be the game that puts Indiana out of bowl eligibility. And at that point, you're fighting to play spoiler. You're fighting to – we've hit every nail on the head on what's what's next for Indiana if this doesn't work out in yep. their favor. But I've got Michigan. I'm taking Michigan as well. Here we go. One more. Our game of the week. We haven't even t- talked about it, other than the fact that we brought up Mel Tucker earlier. Number three, Michigan State at Purdue. And Purdue is such a weird team. I mean, they take down number two, Iowa. They beat Ohio State a couple years ago during one of their great runs. Uh, it just seems like a trap game for Michigan State. I know Mel Tucker's kind of avoiding that, which obviously every coach wants to say that nothing's a trap game. They want to have their focus on the next opponent. It's a college football cliche. But, I mean, you know Purdue, Purdue – Jeff Brom and his squad, they know they can win this game, obviously. There's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of will they. Dustin? Purdue has struggled against teams that are better defensively 
you look at the loss to Notre Dame, you look at the loss to Wisconsin, the loss to Minnesota, those teams are pretty good defensively. Michigan State is okay defensively. What did we talk about Michigan State? Cannot defend the pass. What does mm-hmm. Purdue love to do? Throw the football around the field. I like that Purdue gets them in West Lafayette a week after Michigan State comes off an emotional In a week big before game. a big matchup with Penn State. And I think Purdue gets a second top five win this season. I'm picking the Boilermakers to upset the Spartans. I still think Michigan State is in a good is in good shape. I still think they can challenge Ohio State. I just this is more to me the schedule standpoint, the matchup standpoint. Purdue's got a lot to fight for. They're not probably in the they're probably out of the Big Ten West race because of the losses to Minnesota and Wisconsin. But bowl eligibility, you could potentially with you look at Ohio, you got Northwestern and Indiana still ahead. This is this could this is the team that could win eight games. I think Purdue can not shut down Kenneth Walker. I think they can slow him down. I think the Boilermakers get an upset. I think it's like and I'll, I'll give you a score. I think it's going to be something like twenty-two to not to like twenty, like something something wonky, some sort of weird score. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And yeah, I haven't given my pick yet. I'm taking Michigan State, but I think you've summed up the kind of game that it could be to a T. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Being an Indiana fan, yeah, I don't like seeing Purdue be successful, but at the same time, it's kind of cool the way that they seem to play spoiler for all these teams and still be relevant. They're going to be 6-3 and three if they win this game. But. And that'll wrap it up for this week at Indiana Football. Thanks for being patient with us this week. Taking forever to get this one out. We'll see if we can get back on a better schedule next week. Be sure to listen to Indiana Sports Beat Radio Monday through Friday. we got plenty of football and basketball coverage there every day. Uh, so there you go. Thanks again. Thanks, Dustin, and we'll see you next time.